Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box. Bitch-ass white boy, Tyler Bischoff. It was reported that the Cleveland Indians have decided to remove the term Indian from their name. And Adam Candy. Yet we're cool calling the only black people in Utah the Jazz. On ESPN Las Vegas. Good morning from a downtown Houston apartment. I think we're about to do a show with three people in three different places. Hopefully it goes well. Ed Graney's on the road for like the next week. So Adam Candy is in today and the rest of the week. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some stupid baseball game that happened yesterday. The first bite. Was going to game six the worst decision of Tyler's life? Well, it sucked, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Like, we've got... Like, this is just... I'm, 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 I cannot wait to see how we can bring this up in the future. <sighs> like, I'm, I'm giddy for way too far in the future. It wasn't good. That wasn't a good night. Like, because it wasn't just that the Astros lost the World Series. There, there wasn't anything to cheer about the entire game. They didn't score a run. Oh, I, I'm not saying a word. This is oh. this is your moment. This is absolutely no, your your moment. moment. You, it this is. is not this my is moment. your. Oh, it is. This is your time to share with the people <laughs> the experience of going to Game Six of the World Series and what happened at that stadium. I mean, the good news is that I was sitting in right center field, kind of uh, in the in the lower bowl, but I was underneath the overhang of the upper deck. So, like, I couldn't see Jorge Soler's ball actually leave the ballpark. Mm. That was the I thought good you, part of it last night. I assumed you would have just had your hands over your eyes anyway, so. I mean, you know. yeah, but, you know, I you got to see Jorge Soler, you know, celebrate at home plate. Michael Brantley not even turn around to look and see where the ball was. Well, I, God, what a disaster. So, I spent approximately a thousand bucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because uh, it was like 250 for the flight, 250 for this wonderful apartment I'm in in Houston. And I ended up getting the lower bowl for $500 when I bought my ticket yesterday. And yeah, that sucked. That was terrible. I'd do it again, though. Yeah, there's a reason I'm not going in particularly hard on you at this point, because <laughs> I have had this experience before. Um, I covered the 2001 World Series between the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. <sighs> I was down on the field uh, as the Diamondbacks were celebrating. Um, I, uh, in that same 12-month period, traveled to Colorado to see the Devils and the Avalanche in Game 7 of the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals when uh, I had beer poured on me in, uh, in uh, downtown Denver and watched Ray Bork and the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. I know what it is like to spend a lot of money uh, especially at that time in my life, money I didn't have, to go and watch your team <laughs> in what you think is going to be the greatest moment you've ever seen. Um, and, and it is absolutely not. I also went to uh, Anaheim to see the Devils in Game 6 of the, <laughs> the Stanley Cup Finals against the Ducks in what was going to be a clinch game uh, back in, I think, like, 02 or 03. Uh, lost that one, too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not a fun experience. But you're right. Given the chance to do it again, you absolutely do it again. All right, two questions for you. First off, when you had beer poured on you in Denver, were you wearing a Devils jersey? 
Yes. Oh, and and I was so here's the deal. Back then, you could take a backpack into the stadium, and so there's a long travel story as to how I got there. But it took me all day, starting at four in the morning in Flagstaff, Arizona, to get to Denver. And so I get to the game right as they're about to drop the puck. I pull my jersey out in my seat. I put it on. I look around me, and there is not another Devils fan to be seen. <laughs> no one. I am the only Devils fan that I can see, and the only person I recognize anywhere near me is two rows up behind me is Brian Greasy, who is then the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Was he the one that poured beer on you? That would have made for a better story, quite honestly. Um, no, and then in the third period, I had a child of maybe 12 years old come up to me and say, you better take that jersey off before you leave the stadium because there are going to be riots. <laughs> okay look it out question. for you what is better what's a better experience for losing you watch luis gonzalez hit a walk-off uh bloop single to win the world series i watched the astros just get stomped like not non-competitive kyle tucker made some awkward sliding catch in the first inning and that was the only time that there was to cheer like what's a better experience they had the first two runners on in the first inning. How, how is there nothing to they cheer for? You had, a, you had a whole five minutes to cheer for there. <laughs> Luis um, Gonzalez went six up, six down. It was great. Luis Garcia went six up, six down. Trust me, yeah, I, went, I, I wish. Luis, trust Luis. me, I wish Luis Gonzalez <laughs> went six down. Uh, it is by far your experience of never having a moment of hope because when that hope gets extinguished, when. When you are a reporter and you're hoping to cover the end of the dynasty of your team and come the the, uh, the eighth inning, Alfonso Soriano hits a go-ahead home run to put you up in game seven in a series you had no business winning, uh, you're feeling like, awesome, Mariano Rivera is going to come in and close this thing out like he always does, and here we go. Uh, so that was by far a, a worse experience. But... Uh, were there a lot of Braves fans in, in Houston last night? I couldn't really tell from the broadcast. Yeah, there were. There was quite a bit of Braves fans there. They got their they got the chop going at one point. There weren't a ton in my section, but I I stayed and went and watched the, the trophy presentation. And there there had to have been, I don't know, five thousand of them that were there for the trophy presentation. So who of the sort of zombie braves of solaire duval and peterson rosario like who offends you the most because like it's one of those things where you know that the jorge solaire homer is going to be to you for this next year what randy rosarena was to you last year on mlb.tv <laughs> um you're going to watch that approximately 700 times and relive it and get to find out exactly where the ball landed like is that the one that bothers you the most yeah, Soler definitely does, because not only that, he hit the Game 5 go-ahead home run off Christian Javier, and I believe the stat was that Christian Javier had not given up a uh, home run to a right-handed batter on a high fastball in the regular season, and Soler got him twice in this series, uh, which is, is, you know, not ideal. So, yeah, it's going to be Jorge Soler, because it's a lot like, because, like, last night, the, the home runs that the Braves hit... Uh, Jorge Soler, a right-handed batter, hits it off Christian Javier, who was dominant against righties. Uh, you had Luis Garcia give up a home run to a lefty, despite Luis Garcia, or excuse me, Garcia gave up the one to, to Soler, despite being dominant against righties. Brooks Raley gives up the home run 
to the left-handed hitting Freddie Freeman, despite being dominant against lefties. Like the Astros had the right pitcher on the mound when they gave up the biggest home runs of the game. And it reminds me of like 2019 when the Astros lost game seven to the Nationals. Will Harris gives up a seventh inning home run and Will Harris had been the best reliever the Astros had the entire season. Like it was absolutely the right decision to pull Granky and go to their best overall reliever. It just didn't work out. And now the Astros lost the World Series again. So when you were on the plane to Houston, how confident were you that they were winning this series? Unbelievably confident. Now, you should know I was confident they were going to beat the Rays last year when they were down 3 nothing. So I, I have this weird uh, complex where I do not think any of the teams that beat the Astros are actually good at the sport of baseball. Well, the Braves aren't. I mean, you know, I know. We, we, we've established the fact that this team was under 500 in <laughs> August. And so, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty damn remarkable in the end. But uh, what, where, where did the offense for the Astros go, Tyler? I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they hit two home runs in a six-game series. Both were by Jose Altuve. I would be shocked if I went back and looked through any six-game stretch this year where the Astros hit two home runs or, hell, nobody besides Altuve hit one. Like, that, it, it's almost impossible to have that happen because even in the two wins they had in the series, they, did, they had a couple of innings where they just strung together some walks and some infield singles and, like, one or two big hits, but they never hit for power in the series. Like, they never had, like, even, like, a couple of doubles in the same inning. It just, it never happened. And, like, you go through it, like, just by OPS-wise, they were one of the best in the regular season. They were awesome in the ALDS, awesome in the ALCS. Their OPS would have been the worst team in baseball in the six games here in the World Series. And it's it's bizarre because the Braves, like, the Braves as a team, basically, they got walks and they hit home runs. And that's all they did the entire series. And that's sort of not supposed to be the sustainable way you win in the postseason. But when the other team doesn't hit any home runs for an entire series, that's all you need is a couple of walks and a couple of shots that leave the ballpark. Let's also be careful with the idea of sustainable in the postseason because there's not much that's sustainable in any one postseason, right? It's such a crapshoot once you get in. And that's how you end up with a team like the Braves winning the not only the World Series, but, you know, going through the Brewers and the Dodgers to get there. I mean, the sort of the half Dodgers with everybody they had left at that point. But in any case, uh, yeah, I understand that you have that confidence uh, flying down there. I think the worst part is that you probably got this apartment for two days banking on game seven, right? Yep. Yep. And so you're basically doing what are you going to NASA today? Like what's what's the plan? Well, no, one of my best friends lives in Austin and he's going to drive in three hours to see me. Ah, well, all right. I'm glad yeah, I, have that a, you... I have a good pivot, a good backup plan. I didn't yeah, know you had you, friends. Uh, you, you, do have a, you do have a good backup plan. Is this one of your friends who is involved with the fake horses? No, 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 no. All those oh. friends live in Vegas. That is a Vegas-only uh, group. Of course, right. Yes. Yeah, oh, that, no, that, no, makes, no. that makes perfect sense. He is yeah. not involved. Um, but I was in his wedding, so that was good. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, when, when does when does your friend arrive? I'm just curious, like what your Houston plan is today. Like, what are you guys gonna do? Like, are you are you gonna? I don't Listen, know. We have not planned that far in advance. That was this was not the actual beginning of the plan. This was he's gonna be here at one o'clock, and then from there, I don't know what happens. Okay. All right. Hopefully, we go eat something good. That's all I'm hoping for. Because listen, all I, I got in yesterday and I went straight to the ballpark. So I had a nice Papa John's pizza for dinner yesterday. 
doing well. Today I had some oatmeal at my nice Airbnb. Yeah. So well, eating well, well. Look at that. You selected a let's look at the bright side here. You selected a great <laughs> Airbnb that provides you oatmeal. It right? did. It's great. Yeah. See, it's, it's all gonna be all right. It's fine. It's not it's not like your team just lost to Jorge Soler. It's fine. Brutal. All right, coming up next. Well, I didn't have the worst day yesterday. He attacks and smokes one to deep left. This one's going supersonic. That is out of the ballpark. Whoa! Over the train tracks, it's 3-0 Atlanta. And Jorge Soler lands the first punch here in the top of the third inning. And the Braves lead 3 nothing here in the third. Press box transition. Yeah, this is going to end up being the worst part of going to this game is I'm just going to have to hear that Jorge Soler call every show for the rest of the year. Thanks, Jared. Um, so. I got more. Yeah, I bet you do. So, uh, some unfortunate news uh, regarding the Las Vegas Raiders, or former Las Vegas Raider wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, he's been released by the team as of last night after he was involved in a car crash last night. He has been charged with DUI resulting in death. It happened uh, yesterday around 3 a.m. The report so far is that Henry Ruggs was driving, uh, swerved into another lane, and rear-ended another car. Uh, They both caught on fire. The woman driving the other car could not get out of her car, and firefighters could not rescue her before she died. Henry Ruggs remained on the scene, showed signs of impairment, and ultimately was charged with that DUI resulting in death, which carries, if found guilty, carries a 2-20 to year prison sentence. Uh, The Raiders have since released Henry Ruggs. Uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, his lawyer gave a statement yesterday. It's the same lawyer, by the way, that Zayon Collins and Josh Jacobs both hired after they had uh, DUI incidents. Nope, Josh Jacobs did uh, end up not getting charged with uh, driving under the influence. Aon Collins' case is still ongoing. Um, I, it's not necessarily a new take. It's one that was all over the place yesterday. I do not get it. I do not comprehend the idea of you're going to drive while under the influence and basically jeopardize not just your career, but anybody else's on the road's life. You'll probably hear some takes out there that say it's a tragedy all around, that you know there are a lot of people impacted, et cetera, et cetera, and you should ignore all of them because in the end, the life that matters, the only life we should be talking about is the life of the person who had nothing to do with Henry Ruggs or his DUI and was killed in this crash. Um, there are stories that kind of cross into sports, but this that really aren't sports stories, and this is one of them. Uh, Henry Ruggs is any 22-year-old who decided to get behind the wheel of a car uh, under the influence and make the kind of decision that he made. Um, you know, the, the minimum sentence is two years for this. The maximum sentence is 20 years, assuming it stays as a DUI. Uh, you mentioned the lawyers involved who are also involved with Zion Collins and Josh Jacobs. And of course, you know, there'll probably be some wrangling as to the level of impairment and so on like that. Well, even if not, uh, even if he ultimately is found not to have been past the legal limit, he's still going to be charged with vehicular manslaughter. 
Um, he had a passenger in the car who reportedly was his girlfriend, uh, who thankfully uh, did not suffer any additional injuries. Um, to, to broaden it out for a moment beyond the obvious of the person who lost their lives, um, you know, th this we talk about sports here. And when we talk about sports, you look at the Las Vegas Raiders organization and say that this has been um, a fairly unprecedented last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not, been, not been a good few last weeks for the Raiders. Hell, extended the last five or six months when they have half their, uh, you know, front office resign from a business standpoint. I've had a lot of stuff. I just... I, I know you don't have an answer for this. I don't understand how we're sitting here in 2021 and there are still, like, every day, an issue with people who drive drunk, drive under the influence. I I, I don't get it. Like, we have there, – there are so many options to not do it, to, to not drive under the influence. I, just, it, I don't get it. I don't understand how it's something that is such a massive part of our society still, that people still do this every single day. No, and there's there's nothing that you're gonna that, that you're gonna say that's gonna help you understand it. There's none. There's none because it's not a logical thing. It's not a logical choice, um, and it's important to keep in mind that it's absolutely a choice for every person. It's not it's not a mistake, as Ed Graney wrote in the RJ yesterday, um, because there's no there's no good outcome here. There's not, it was an error. There's not a good outcome in you were drunk and you drove and you got home, right? That's, that's just blind luck that something worse didn't happen. Um, and it's just very difficult to get your head around um, the choice that was made here. I'm not saying I made perfect choices when I was 22. I, I absolutely did not. Um, but this right here, and you talk about the how do you get home, right? Well, I mean, especially when you have the means of a professional athlete, you, you have a driver, you get an Uber, you, you do whatever you need to do. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to fathom. There's, a, there's an NFL program specifically for this. Like the, the NFL has in place a, hey, if you're out and you are drunk, we, we have a system in place to help you get home so you don't have to drive under the influence of anything. And hell, and, and even beyond just having a program, how many people in the Raiders organization, teammates or coaches, could have Henry Ruggs just called and said, hey, you know, can I get a ride? Yeah, I know it's 2 a.m., but hey, man, can I get a ride so I can get home or wherever he was going? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's unbelievable that, you know, it still happens and that it's so prevalent and that it's something that is, that's a part of our society, every, like, every single day. It's it's still remarkable to me, and I know I'm I'm doing you know just dumbfounded radio here where I don't have any actual answers, don't have any actual like questions or anywhere to move the conversation. It's just a bizarre, but, bizarre part of our society that shouldn't be there, given everything we can do to not have it, and yet it still it's still so pervasive. Because it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, some one-off every year, every couple of years it happened, but it's like we've got three we got three athletes that have done it in the last twelve months, like just three Las Vegas-based athletes that have done it beyond everybody else who's not an athlete that it's happened to like I, it's just i don't know it's dumbfounding to me and tyler ultimately what we're here to do is to reflect what people might be thinking right and we're all processing this the same way we're all processing it the same exact manner to say i don't understand it doesn't make sense and these are things that we'll never 
make sense. And, you know, you, you can, you can rightfully damn Henry Ruggs for, for what he did. And I don't think that anyone would argue with you. Um, you can rightfully feel some sort of, um, inferior empathy for the Raiders organization and, and what the team will deal with, uh, inferior, at least to that of what the family of the victim is dealing with here. Um, there's not a lot to say though. There's, there's not a lot to say for anyone in this kind of time. Yeah. I mean, it's somebody's dead and it's a, it's a, it's a life that didn't have to be taken. It's a life that there were plenty of choices. There are plenty of options for Henry Ruggs to not do what he did. And I mean, I, there's a fortunate part of it that he and his girlfriend didn't die as well in the situation because based on the car crash photos, that very easily could have happened to them given that they slammed into the back head first of some of another car. But it's it's a brutal situation, and it's one where Henry Ruggs, because it's, it's not just, you know, he when you drive drunk, you put everybody's lives in danger. Like, it's not just, it's, it's a decision that you make that, is about more than you, which I think it's, you know, to go big picture, we've learned that right. a lot of people aren't willing to make that decision that helps everybody else and not just themselves. And the, you're right. There's, there's absolutely that point to be made. And when it comes to the Raiders and what they're going to do, um, obviously they've made their decision to, to release Henry Ruggs. And I think there's going to be, a far different response than there was to the Gruden situation because the Gruden situation allowed for shades of gray, depending on how people felt about the content of the emails, about how long ago they were, about how they were released and why they were released and when they were released. Uh, there, there are logical shades of gray that, that I think some of the players and some of the people in the organization could draw with the Gruden situation. Um, this is black and white. Like this is absolutely as clear as can be. There's right and there's wrong, and there's there's just no way to uh, there's no way to defend any of it other than what I'm sure the players will say is that it's a terrible situation and that they you know they want to be there for their friend. Yeah, to some level, and and we've seen Mark Davis try to do this. You could almost spend John Gruden into being a victim of the NFL coming after him and singling him out. There's there's not much you can do to try to spin that for. Henry Ruggs in this situation. Coming up next, we will talk to David Shane after the Golden Knights lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-0 last night. Dansby, a rope to deep left field. That one's rising. Kiss it goodbye. A two-run bomb by Dansby. And it's 5-0 Atlanta. Two balls, two strikes. Christian Javier brings it. And here it goes. Swanson touches one off. That's going to be a lot of fun for the next month. Joining us now is David Shane from the Review Journal. All right, David, are they trading for Jack Eichel or not? <laughs> well, they seem to be trying. I don't know if they'll. Uh, I don't know if they'll get it into the end zone or across the finish line or whatever like crazy sports analogies we want to use with this. But uh, they're they're definitely right there. So well, what? Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, what, how does this make them better for this year? Like, they're sitting here with a whole rash of injuries, trading for a guy who's also hurt right now that might not help them, maybe not even help them at all this year, but potentially not till down the road. Does, if they trade for Jack Eichel, does it help them for this season, or is it basically just to look ahead to 2022 23? So, I think that's kind of predicated on what they're giving up 
in this deal to get it done. And I think maybe that's some of the debate that, that people are having, not so much, you know, inside the walls of the Golden Knights office. Maybe it is. But I just think, you know, for us, for you guys, you know, just fans in general is, okay, if you're giving up guys off the roster and you have all these guys hurt in the short term and you're bringing somebody in who, like you say, can't help you for three months, four months, whatever, depending on the timeline of, you know, this artificial disc surgery that he seems to want, and that if the Golden Knights are acquiring acquiring him, would obviously be okay with. Like, I mean, at what point does it become subtraction by addition, addition by subtraction? Like, if you are able to, I think, get this deal done without gutting your roster, giving up, let's just say, I don't know, I'm just throwing out names here. This is not anything that I know or have heard or whatever. But, like, if you're going to give up, say, Alex Tuck, who is from that area, makes almost $5 million and is on long-term IR right now, maybe it's a little more palatable than if you have to give up, you know, say, a Shea Theodore. Again, just spitballing, throwing names out, you know, and, and taking a key piece out of the roster. Like, if you can keep everything intact, if you can stay afloat here in the short term and, and stay close to 500, get everybody back, and then you have, say, a big piece that comes in later, you know, then then maybe it's a little more palatable and and it's a little easier to see them making a run in a Stanley Cup in, in that scenario. Dave, maybe we can put in perspective for everybody a little bit of who Jack Eichel is in the greater scheme of the NHL. Because I think this name has been thrown out there. The salary has been thrown out there. Talk about the fact that, you know, that this is a strong young player who has not been surrounded by a lot of talent in Buffalo. But when you look at who... Jack Eichel is uh, is it one of those things where you say the Golden Knights if they have the opportunity to make a deal this is the kind of player you go get regardless of the uh, the time of year so I think they would say that I don't know if I would say that and that goes back to somebody like you know like even Alex Petrangelo but I would put him in that class of player in in Mark Stone in terms of the way the Golden Knights viewed them and and I think the way that you described it is accurate they felt like those players are rare to come on the market. They are not available either through trade or free agents. And I think Jack Eichel uh, would fit into that category as well. Just as a little background, and I think it's great that you bring this up because we, we throw out this name, but yeah, like, who is this guy? So if you go back to the 2015 draft, which was kind of the Connor McDavid draft, but... Like, Jack Eichel was number two, and he was not really so much a consolation. Like, he was a really good, I guess, consolation prize. Maybe that is the way to say it. I think in any other draft, Jack Eichel would have been a unanimous number one pick, a franchise player, and all those sorts of things. He just happened to be in a draft with a generational player. But if you go through his numbers and his stats, I mean, the last couple years when he's been healthy, he's been you know, more than a point-per-game player. Uh, he's a 30-plus goal scorer. He's a three-time All-Star, and I think more than anything for the fans when they see him, or you know, if you know the Knights were to acquire him, and, and you know when he comes back, he just gives them a dynamic presence up front that they don't have. As good as Stone is, as good as Pacioretty is, and, and all of that, Jack Eichel is the type of guy who will take the puck, skate through four guys, and either score himself or make some kind of spectacular pass or play or whatever it takes. And and right now, 
the Golden Knights don't have somebody, <laughs> and you think about what would happen in the playoffs with something like that and where they've struggled and on the power play and what he can do, it, 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 it would make a difference in that regard, absolutely. Do you believe Calgary is a legitimate option for the Sabres to trade Eichel to, or are the Sabres trying to find another team to sort of leverage against the Golden Knights? Uh, I do think they're a legitimate team in all of this. I, I, I think you know some of the names that have been thrown out from their end, um, you know, Elias Lindholm, as a, as a big-time goal scorer, has a contract that, that's very comparable to just like the Alex Tuck number, um, if we're talking, you know, making money work and things like that. They also have a center up in Calgary, Sean Monaghan, who's been a, you know, a, a consistent 30-goal scorer, which you don't find a lot at the center position. I, the hang-up with all of this is what Buffalo wants. You know, are they looking for prospects? Are they looking for guys who can maybe help them right now because they're off to a decent to, to pretty good start up there, and, and there's a little bit of excitement with that new coach. You know, it's it's a it's a weird mix in terms of what they're looking for, what the Knights, you know, might be able to offer in terms of a package, you know, more draft pick heavy, um, and and maybe Calgary's got some, you know, prospects, you know, from those those mid first round picks the last few years that that would interest Buffalo more than, you know, what the Knights could put out there if. The Knights aren't willing to part with Peyton Krebs. So, Dave, you had the opportunity to see the Golden Knights last night in uh, a four-nothing loss to Toronto. And look, I mean, the lineup they threw out there looks nothing like what anyone would have expected uh, in the offseason for this team. So, I guess I'll ask you this much: um, Did you feel like there was a competitive fight? for the squad that was out there for the Golden Knights, which was obviously outclassed uh, in terms of talent by Toronto by a mile. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're kind of talking about effort, I, and that, that, that word came up, you know, in Pete DeBoer's news conference last night and some of the players, like, I don't think it was a matter of effort. I mean, I, I think they just were outmanned. I don't think that was a fair fight last night, you know, in that regard. So it's hard, yeah. I mean, I, like, I want to pass judgment. I want to have opinions about this team and, and not just say, oh, I don't know. But it's really hard to criticize them or come to a conclusion when you look at that lineup that they threw out there last night and just with the injuries and, and where they are. And then you look at the way Marner played and Matthews played and Nylander, and, you know, all those stars. I, yeah, it just... You know, it, nor, I kind of wrote this, like, normally that's a heavyweight fight, and, and that felt like a mismatch last night. If, you know, staying around 500 is, is sort of success until Pacioretty, Stone, and Carlson all come back, can they do that? Like, you watched last night, it's a mismatch. Can they be successful? Can they float around 500 for the next four to six weeks or however long it takes for these guys to get back? Yeah, I think they can, but I think they've paid a lot of lip service to this idea of tightening up in the defensive zone and, you know, adjusting their identity and having to win games 3-2 and 2-1 and all that because I think that's what they have to do, and I don't think they've shown any willingness or adaptability to actually doing that. Like, other than the Colorado game, I can't think of a win in that, you know, win streak really where they – you know, I guess the Anaheim game, but yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of goaltending. That's kind of where I'm going with this. And the scoring chances are just outrageous. Like they're giving up 40 plus scoring chances every game. And I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think you can go on the road and, and 
play good teams and expect your goal I mean, to consistently bail you out that way. So, yeah, I think I think I still think there's enough in that lineup and, and in the tank to scratch and claw and find some points here and there. But but I really think they have to make more of a concerted effort in the defensive zone to lock some teams down here because they keep talking about it and they're just not doing it right now. So the rest of this road trip features opponents who are far below the level of the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of talent. What do you think are realistic expectations for the Golden Knights for the next three days? So six points sitting out there. I mean, if you get three or you know four, I think you're happy. Um, I think at minimum, you know, if you get one win out of there, you know, depending on how you're playing, uh, you, you can probably manage it. You can feel okay, you know, because you've got a six-game homestand coming up. And, you know, maybe you're able to make up some ground in, in that regard, and you're kind of looking ahead and, and saying, okay, you know, again, stay afloat, get, get through this a little bit, and, you know, maybe they can get some guys back. Um, my understanding is Nolan Patrick is not really going to be, you know, what they would term a long-term injury. Um, think they're kind of pointing to that homestand. I don't know at what you know point they, they might expect him to come back, but I think, you know, at some point here in the short term they would they would get him, you know, back into the mix. It's not a huge difference, but at least it's a it's a body he can help on the power play and, and do some things. So yeah, I mean it's hard to say but but I would say anywhere in that two to four point range, you know, if you're if you're not giving up those forty plus scoring chances every game you know, I think Pete DeBoer can come home and live with that. Are they going to score a power play goal this month? No. <laughs> no. Like, I, I just, like, it just, that was putrid last night. Like, we've seen bad ones, but the ones last night, I mean, and again, it's personnel, and you have to kind of cut them a break. But, like, there's just no sign. There's, there's nothing that makes you think that it's going to happen, you know, unless it's just some fluky, weird bounce or something, but it's just, it's such an anchor on them right now, and you can see the way that it's just sucking the life out of them, and, you know, at some point here, the, the bigger conversation, I think, really needs to happen, and, and Steve Spot, and, you know, him overseeing it and not getting it done, and Pete DeBoer might have to make a really, really, really tough call on his right-hand man here, and, and have something different. Get them a different look. And, and I don't think he'll do it in the short term. I don't think he can you know, justify it without all the pieces in place. But something has got to change with that unit because it's just, it's just absolutely dragging them down. Well, he is David Shade from the Review Journal. Dave, as always, we appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great morning. So, Golden Knights uh, losing again to the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Coming up next... I'll regret this, but we're turning the show over to Jared for five minutes. Three one, and this is hit the deep left center field back there towards the corner, going Siri, and that's off the wall. Playing it off the wall now, the left footer Bradley rounding third, heading for the plate. Solaire make it six nothing. RBI double, Freddie Freeman. Three one pitch here, fly into left center field, well hit back at the track. It's off the wall. Solaire digging around third. Here he comes. It's six. Nothing in Atlanta as Freddie Freeman delivers here in the fifth. 
Oh, Jared, you have too much power. Um, before we get to whatever Jared's about to do to the show, well, we can get to this a little bit later, but according to Tom Pelissero, Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID-19 and will not play Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So there you go, Jared. I know you're a Chiefs fan, but I also know you have Aaron Rodgers on your fantasy team. So I don't know how you feel about that. Well, at least I won't have to ask uh, Jeff Erickson, Hurts, or Rogers. <laughs> Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, you can still ask him for fun. Yeah, Hurts or Rogers. Well, one's playing. All right, are you guys are you guys ready? This is this is uh, one of those things that I like to do where Adam gets to basically just sit here and go, "Oh God, really, man?" And uh, the audience just gets to make fun of Tyler for not knowing anything. So we are going to play a game called All right, Rolling Stones. Our baseball nickname. Oh boy. Okay. So how's this work? This what I will say is I will say a phrase that is either the a title of a Rolling Stones song or it is a baseball nickname because baseball nicknames are awful. Now hold on. Okay. Do I get a chance after Tyler goes, do I also get a chance? Well, I think you'd just run up the score, but sure. All right. All that's right. fine. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we're going to start off with something super easy. Jumping Jack Flash. That's got to be a baseball nickname. He's already 0 for 1. (laughs) One of the most famous Rolling Stones songs. No, that's not a real song. Jumping Jack, that's a baseball nickname. I don't believe you even after you tell me. Actually, (sighs) so I should I wait? I got to wait to do the buzzer. Because now, I mean, but obviously Adam Candy was going to know that one. So, yeah, yeah. All right. On we go. All right. Old aches and pains. <sighs> Baseball nickname. Adam? Baseball nickname. That is correct. That is Luke Appling's baseball old, nickname. When did Luke Appling's play baseball? Uh, I think he went to the Hall of Fame, but I don't, I honestly don't know. Most of these Many. are from many years ago i think the most recent player that i have just to put it into context 2011 so you know by the way jared i did you mention to anybody that the reason we're doing this is we're giving away rolling stones tickets no uh there's a reason i'm not a host and i produce the show instead of actually hosting but we do have rolling stones tickets that we're going to give away in the nine o'clock hour and thus far we have determined that it's going to be caller number one Yes, so, however many I get right will be the caller number that we take. That's what we're doing here for anybody that's wondering why the hell Jared's asking me random Rolling Stones questions. But we will have more. We will have tickets to give away, and this will determine which caller. So all right. I'm, I'm one for two. Let's go. I'm rolling. Yeah. Say hey, kid. Oh, that's a baseball nickname. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's Willie Mays' nickname. All right. Brown Sugar. Oh, man. That's got to be Rolling Stones. And he's totally guessing, but he's right. Yes. That, all right. <laughs> so we're up to caller number three. All right. This is going better than I thought. You're doing a lot better than I thought you would. Uh, La Grande Orange. La <laughs> uh, Grande Orange. Man. So there's not many baseball players with red hair, so I'm going to say Rolling Stones song. Yes. Oh. <sighs> I am on. I can't be. What? Daniel Staub. <laughs> Damn it, Adam. Why you got to make me feel He played for myself? Montreal and had red hair. Oh, okay. All right. All right. 
By the way, he if he played for Montreal and we're, and you say Le Grand Orange, it probably should have been Le Grand Orange, which would have given him a little better shot. Okay, but I can't pronounce names in English, so you think that you think me trying to put on like a French accent is going to help anyone here? It'll help the show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Heart of Stone. Heart of Stone. Okay, this sounds like some weird show on sci-fi on the sci-fi channel uh heart of stone it's got to be rolling stones he's right that is correct all right has anyone kept track what are we up to now four four thank you thank you adam all right and the car goes by the uh yes <laughs> the houston, the houston airbnb that has great oatmeal okay <laughs> yeah jug handle johnny now is that a blues song by the Rolling Stones, or is that a? Uh... That better be a baseball player. Yeah, I'm going baseball. That is correct. He played in 1920. That is a great nickname. Jug by the way, I think jug. I think what we've started to do now, since Tyler's gotten two in a row correct, and the car has revved up behind him both times, I think that's Jared's sound effect. I don't think there's actually a. a I don't think there's anything outside Tyler's window. All right, I I have like. Six more of these, and we are Let's coming. Go. All right, yeah. all right. We'll, we'll go until well, whatever we land on, it's fine. Yes. All right, fine. Midnight Rambler. Ah, uh, do I know that song? That's a Rolling Stones song, isn't it? I didn't even hear what it was. Let's go on. Yes, yes, it is. Monkey Man. That's baseball player, right? Rolling Stones. That is the really? Rolling Stones. They have a song called Monkey Man. Wonder Hamster. <laughs> I hope that's a baseball player. That's absolutely baseball. <laughs> yes, it is. Matt Stairs. <laughs> Matt Stairs was what? He was the Wonder Hamster. <laughs> all right. Uh, I've got two left. Uh, all right. I'll just do this one. The Silver Train. Oh. Oh, that's got to be some lefty that was throwing 100. I'm going baseball player. Baseball. Oh! So what did I get, six? I believe six. It's caller number six. All right, so stay tuned later in the show. Rolling Stones tickets to caller number six.